We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. A large object traveling at supersonic speed is headed over the North Atlantic. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. I feel retrogasmic. 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 With Dini Deluxe and Hetty LeBomb. Welcome to the Retrogasmic Podcast. I'm Dee Deluxe. And I'm Hetty LeBomb. Now, this is a very momentous occasion, our very first podcast. Uh, it seemed like a great idea a few weeks ago, and... Uh, well, <laughs> here we are. It's taken way more work than we thought, but... Uh, well, well, what are we about? What's our manifesto, Didi? Well, I guess uh, there's a huge vintage scene around New Zealand, but it seems to be in little pockets, so there's the... The pin-up scene, there's the rock and roll dancers, there's the swing dancers, there's the kind of the tattoo and fashion people, there's the classic car guys, there's the hot rod guys, obviously there's the music, but it all seems to be um, in, in little pockets. And as we've been touring around the country, we've kind of bumped into people and, and, and made lots of friends, and we've realised that there's nowhere where all of this comes together. So this is what we're going to try and do. And that's right, we want to bring it all together under one nice big umbrella. So we can all talk to each other. That's right. <laughs> so um, today we've got um, a wonderful guest for our first show, Fran Robertson, um, decorator of people and things and universes. And... The, the reigning queen of Viva Las Vegas. Which was an astonishing achievement, absolutely astonishing. Um, she's a lovely lady and it's a fantastic interview, so, so do hang on for that. Um, we have the vintage trivia. Okay, and we're going to call our roving reporter, Winky Waters, and see what she's up to. Uh, we've got... Uh, what else have we got? What have we got? Oh, we've got a movie review. That's right. Attack of the Crab Monsters, 1957. That's a great film. One of my favourites. Um, now, before we kick off, I would like to mention uh, the Labour Day hop that we played at a couple of days ago in, at uh, the Postman's Leg in Glenfield. It was a fantastic event. The weather was beautiful. Um, Great musical day. <laughs> the Lindy Tops that supported us were wonderful. Um, huge thanks to Scott and the team there for, for hosting it and, and, and being so supportive. Um, big shout out to Stacey Marie for organising the uh, pin-up pageant. Um, all the girls looked utterly amazing. Yes, it was a brilliant event, really enjoyed. Uh, it was really hard to judge, actually. I, 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 we struggled figuring out who... I mean, you all deserve to win. You all deserve to win. Yeah, and the, uh, there was like three or four first-timers who just did fantastically well. They must have been terrified, but they, they looked great and did, did really well. And a massive shout-out to Miss Lily Grace, who was a very well-deserved winner. Yes. So let's, uh, let's kick off with the, the vintage trivia. So I'm going to tell her the answer later on in the show, but just chew this one over. Which actor starred in the TV series The Saint 
and later played James Bond? Ooh, I think I know the answer to this one. I'll give people an easy one to start off with. <laughs> so which actor starred in the TV series The Saint and later became a James Bond? Yes, Carl, I, I know the species appears to be that of an ordinary land crab, but... Never before have land crabs been so terrifying and utterly hilarious as they are in Roger Corman's 1957 B-movie masterpiece, Attack of the Crab Monsters. On an isolated Pacific island, the Navy lands a party of daring scientists to solve the mysterious disappearance of an entire atomic research team. Starring Richard Garland and Pamela Duncan as biologists, who are also fiancés, who have become trapped on an island terrorised by giant telepathic crabs. Points for creativity. Okay, Professor, how are the crabs blowing up the island? I am not sure, but imagine they are able to send out arcs of heat. They are packed with it. They can melt and fuse parts of the caverns, explode the materials contained and bring about the slides. Seems plausible. It's no good shooting, Dale. The bullets pass through it just like x-rays. So, you have wounded me. I must grow a new claw. Well and good, for I can do it in a day. But will you grow new lives when I have taken yours from you? The crabs are spectacularly awful. A low budget cannot account for this. It looks like a kindergarten papier-mâché experiment gone horribly wrong. Their eyes! What's the matter with their eyes? Last time I checked, crabs didn't squint like Clint Eastwood on a particularly bright day. There used to be ridges there for maybe two miles. Now there's less than half a city block. Soon we will have nowhere to run. Roger Corman, who also blessed us with gems such as the She-Gods of Shark Reef, Teenage Caveman, and the saga of the Viking women and their voyage to the waters of the Great Sea Serpent. He's in top form here. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a perfect way to unwind after a stressful day. I give it a four out of five on the B-movie scale. One, being just awful. And five, being so awful it's absolute genius. Where's Winky? Here's Winky. Oh, hi, Winky. Where are you? I am on Peacock Road getting ready for a wedding. Oh, whose wedding is it? Uh, Lauren and Brandon Elders from Chowamitu Hot Rock Club. Oh, congratulations. So looking, looking absolutely sterling today, I've got to admit. Who you are? Oh, yeah. Go on, give us a rundown of the outfit. Right, right now I am wearing a 1955 dress full of ballets. Uh, what colour is it? We need to know. And Cadillacs. Okay. <laughs> hey? What colour is it? We need to know. Hey there. 
Yes. What colour is it? It is pink, purple, and baby blue, and I am wearing a purple cardigan with the only one never deluxe V8 badge because you need one of those. <laughs> and, and do you have a hat on? <laughs> do you have a hat? No hats. My uh, my face on my camera will knock them off. No, no good with hats. Okay, so no good. So so at the wedding, are you there as a guest or are you in your uh, photographer role? Actually, actually, I'm in my photography role and I'm the official photographer, so I've got a big job ahead of me. Fantastic. And is the weather good down there? Yeah, it's not too bad, but overcast. So really good for me. I'm really stoked actually because I'm not having to contend with shadows today, so I'm very happy. Fantastic. But no. Everyone, everyone's looking sterling. Got a couple of nice model A sitting in the driveway, beautiful. and um, some beautiful flamingos at the entrance. So that's all Winky needs is a good flamingo and a couple of model A's, and I'm all good. <laughs> what um, what car are the uh, are the couple arriving to the um, uh, to the event in? Ah, uh, they're coming in a model A. Beautiful. So. Very exciting. So we've got it. We've got a good herd of Model A sitting outside. So, going with the theme, I wore my my um my dress, which has got all the cars all over, it, and put my V8 on. So had to keep in theme with the with the whole event. So <laughs> fantastic stuff, brilliant. Well, look, hope you have a good day. I'm gonna just ask. Yeah. You, gonna ask you a, a random question from our random question list. Okay. Go on. Go right. on. So, I want you to imagine that aliens have come down to Earth. And they are going to punish the human race for how terribly we've treated our planet. Now, are you with me so far? Yeah, I'm with okay. you. Okay. So, as a punishment to the human race, they are going to ban cheese or potatoes. <laughs> and you are the representative of the human race. And you've got to choose, for all of us, whether cheese or potatoes get saved. The other one just ceases to exist. Right. It's going to be cheese. So cheese is going to survive or cheese is going to disappear? Cheese is going to disappear. And do you know why? Go on. Because if we get rid of cheese, then the aliens won't realise that we have cows. And I absolutely love cows. So if the aliens knew that we had cows, then maybe they would, like, you know, run after the cows and then want them. Hang, hang, hang on. So... so but, by getting rid of cheese, they think, you know. So this this alien race that can travel through space and can, can communicate with yep. all of us and can eradicate an entire thing aren't going to be aware yep. that there's cows on the earth. Is that what you're? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure that logic really. <laughs> but, but but we'll go with it. Look. Have a great day. <laughs> Look forward to seeing the photographs and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Winky. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. So hopefully on the line we've got uh, Fran Robertson. Hi, Fran. Are you there? I am. Hi. How's it going? Uh, very good. Thank you very much. Um, Hetty sends her apologies. She really, really wanted to do this interview, but she's currently on a desert island recording bird noises. <laughs> so, uh, so she's going to get up at 5am tomorrow to record the, the dawn to, uh, chorus um, I won't give too much away because it's a project she's working on but anyway look thank you so much for coming on the show really appreciate you giving up your time um you have had an utterly remarkable year haven't you 
Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've had fun, and I think it's been pretty, uh, pretty great all round. Uh, no complaints from me. <laughs> so, so just give give everyone a bit of background on on your kind of dizzying meteoric rise to kind of <laughs> success and fame and glory. Um, well, yeah. So for the last sort of uh, for the last uh, since April, I've been the uh, reigning Miss Viva Las Vegas, Ooh, which um, <laughs> thanks. Um, which is kind of uh, effectively, it, it sounds wanky me saying this now that I hold the title, but it's kind of like the Miss World of pinup competitions. Absolutely. Um, so there are hundreds of applicants from all over the world every year and um, 12 finalists um, who make the stage. And somehow I got picked uh, in that first top six lineup and then um, took out the whole competition, which was crazy and great. And, um, it's just been um, it's been amazing. Like the response has been massive because obviously I know that listening to me via podcast, I might sound like a perfectly normal person, but <laughs> as a um, as a, a rather plus size sort of uh, limpy fat girl, essentially, it's not often that people who look like me win beauty pageants. Essentially, <laughs> so um, this is so. Um, we were talking about this earlier. Um, obviously, myself and Hetty are, are kind of really embroiled in the whole vintage and retro scene in New Zealand. But, um, well, me especially, I, I look at the pin-up competitions and I look at the girls dressed up and it's fantastic. You know, it's aesthetically pleasing and it's great to see kind of uh, something that's... Uh, I guess inclusive is the, is the overriding thing that is so lovely about it. But I don't actually know anything about how it works. Um, I mean, <laughs> how, how are these things judged? What, what I mean, obviously the horrible, um, the old-fashioned Miss World things, you get the terrible meat market bikini thing, and then you get the, um, the special skill, you know, juggling or ping pong balls or <laughs> unicycling with a chainsaw or whatever it is. And then, yeah. you know, and it, it just seems so utterly kind of awful whereas the pinup stuff I don't know it's, it's almost like everybody seems to be supporting everybody else and it's all for a good cause is that is that kind of right or am I missing oh absolutely yeah no I think the cool thing about being involved in the pinup community and and the sort of the way that we approach our pageants and our contests is that um people you know obviously there is an, an aesthetic element like but you're less judged about what you look like and more about how you put yourself together. Oh, okay. So you know, there's still all the same, like, you know, the, there's still the same, like, you know, can she make confident decisions about putting together an outfit that stands out? But for the most part, it really is about who you are and what you have to offer the community as a person. See, so, so I think that's, that's so and I think it's such a, yeah, it's, it's such a huge difference uh, yeah, from a lot of the other pageants that are sort of a bit, they come across as being a little bit vapid. And I like that, you know, we as a community, because especially as a community who are predominantly um, fairly obviously embracing of vintage style, but are generally speaking pretty forward thinking and um, pretty, you know, pretty well focused on the important issues as well as just things that look nice. So, Absolutely. Um, so, um, I mean, getting back to uh, Viva Las Vegas, the, the, the big competition, what do you think um, about your own particular styling and the way you presented yourself and, and kind of the, the package you put forwards on the day, if you want to put it 
kind of uh, simply, what do you think um, gave you the edge? Um, for me, I think that obviously I was not only offering up something that hadn't been necessarily represented on our, you know, on that stage before, in in you know the the fact that obviously like I'm you know plus size and disabled, but also like I am incredibly self confident. That's not an issue for me. But also with that contest in particular, I went in there making it very clear that I was like winning would be great, but I was there to have a good time and I was there to show people that you know, it's not necessarily about winning and that jumping in there and saying like, hey, look, I'm doing all of this cool stuff and whatever your challenges are, you can do that too. I think that was something that opened, like opened a few people's eyes and made people really stop and pay attention. Like, hey, this is someone I can connect with and this is someone whose experience I can relate to. Fantastic. Do you think that um, the fact that you managed to pull off – well, from what you're saying, sounds like you thought it was an unlikely win beforehand. Do you think that you've actually changed the, uh, you know, changed the way people will look at uh, judging these competitions and almost the the parameters that things are judged on from now? I'd like to think so, absolutely. Like, obviously, um, in you know smaller communities and at like local car shows and things, this this sort of stuff, like especially around New Zealand. People, anyone can win any of the contests. So the fact that, you know, the fact that I'd come from a country where, you know, people really these these sorts of things are just so open, meant that I wasn't going up on this like world stage thinking, uh, well, I'm not going to win. So uh, it was more like I have just as much chance as everyone else up here. So if I win, it'll be great. If I don't, I'll have fun anyway. Absolutely. But, you know, hopefully now there are people looking around because obviously, like anyone is capable of winning. It's just whether or not people feel like they are welcome to enter. And so I think me being up there and winning it has given a few more of the women in our community who do feel marginalised in some way, sort of a, an opportunity to be like, hey, look, actually, if this girl can win it, I can damn well enter it. And hopefully that will increase the the diversity across the like across the entrance in competitions like this. And, you know, the judges will have no choice but to sit up and take notice of the fact that, you know, there is more than one standard of beauty out there. Now, so, <laughs> um, am I right in thinking that in some of the, some of the uh, higher profile competitions recently, there's actually been um, male drag entrants and some um, transgender people entering as well? And everyone's just being yeah. treated the same? Absolutely. And I think that's the coolest thing because our, you know, our community has for so long preached, um, yeah, preached acceptance and, and preached the importance of, of letting people be whatever version of themselves feels the most like, the most authentic to them. So, you know, whatever, whatever that means for you is, is totally acceptable within our community. And the fact that, you know, a lot of, a lot of these entrants, like, like a lot of competitors now are looking at it and thinking, you know, actually, yeah why the hell not why not give it a crack and that's really cool because you know seeing seeing people who don't necessarily fit within a specific gender spectrum or or who yeah who don't necessarily feel represented jumping up and saying well you know screw it if there isn't anyone if there isn't anyone who looks like me maybe that should be me for other people maybe I should be the one up there inspiring people and saying, hey, look, this is great. This is really cool. And so, yeah, like the fact that we've got our first 
drag queen competitor in Miss Pinup New Zealand this year is major, and I think it's the coolest thing ever. And hopefully, it will encourage more people who don't, you know, who, who don't feel like this is their sort of competition to come in and say, well, actually, nah, it could be, it could absolutely my, be my competition. Absolutely. Like it's just so cool. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. Now, um, just uh, just stepping to one side, um, how? I mean, that's an obvious interview question, but how did you get into being the decorator of, of, of people and places and universes and stuff? How did you kind of, because you don't, surely you just didn't wake up one day and say, I'd really like to know how to do pin curls in light, unmanageable hair. You know, I mean, there must, <laughs> you must have, it must have been a kind of a, a, a process of, of development. I mean, how, how did you get into it? And then how did you end, end up starting the business? And how did you develop that? And how did the whole thing kind of progress from, from like just a good idea? Well, for my whole life, I've just kind of, uh, I've just kind of studied things like, studied things that I thought were interesting and things that I wanted to learn. And eventually I sort of looked at the collection of skills and qualifications and things that I had that I had just done because I wanted to, like, I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. So I kept doing things in the meantime until I figured it out. <laughs> and it got to the point where I looked at all of the things that I'd been doing and thought, oh, yeah, I can, I can make this a job. <laughs> and because, like, I, um, so I did a hairdressing apprenticeship um, to sort of, you know, have something to do. Mm -hmm. And because um, I wanted to learn about hairdressing for myself and about techniques. So I wanted to be able to color my own hair without destroying it and things like that. Um, and I worked in theater for a really long time doing costuming. And I became particularly interested in uh, yeah, in historical costuming and in, in like research around fashion history. Uh -huh. And um and I did like makeup for theater and special effects and prosthetics. So all that kind of stuff ended up melding together into, into creating this sort of little wee niche market for so, myself. So, so what, really... <laughs> what, what happened? Was there an event or what happened for you to, um, it not being kind of using a horrible word, but how did you commercialize this? How did you get to the stage where I've got something that's valuable enough? for me to charge a fair fee for it and, and try and make a living off of it? Well, I freelanced while working for a really long time. So other people would say, how do you do that? Can you teach me? And then I would be teaching people and then, or I'd be, you know, doing hair and makeup for my friends for the school ball and things like that. And um, people kept saying, you should do this for a job. And <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. Like, oh, you know, I want to, I want to keep this fun. I want this to be something that I enjoy doing because traditionally in my head, jobs were the things that you had to do to fund the things that you enjoyed doing. <laughs> and then um, I, I had a, a pretty major accident and um, broke my spine. Ooh. And um, that was when I sort of like in that sort of recovery period, I sort of thought, well, actually this is like, I need to stop doing things just for the sake of doing things. And I need to like, I, I don't want to be doing things I don't love doing. And how can I make the things that I love doing? fund you know fund themselves so that i don't Absolutely. you know i don't have to keep the daily grind nine to five I mean, nonsense that, that, i didn't want to be doing anymore <laughs> i mean i'm sure that's what everybody deep inside thinks but the, the the uh the kind of the faith in yourself and the courage you have to have to make that leap to just do things that you love rather than something safer that you might not really dig as much but pays the bills I mean that's 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 the big you know that's the big um, leap leap of faith leap into the void. Um, how long ago 
was that for you that you kind of finally went both feet in, if you like? Um, well, I, um, I, I quit my real adult grown-up job probably six years ago. I had, my accident was earlier than that, but I, I had to sort of figure out my life in that meantime. And, and as things were not because you know when you when something happens to you and you think oh you know like I'll get better though like I've I've had an injury but it'll get better and it doesn't get better and it doesn't get better and it doesn't get better and eventually you think I can't you know like I I just couldn't it wasn't sustainable anymore and and the work that I was doing I couldn't continue to keep pouring all of this like emotional and and physical energy into something that I didn't love doing right. so, it, so it just made sense for me to pack it all in and try and make a go of this, you know, this wild idea. So in a way, but, um, as 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 you know, horrible and unlucky as the accident was, in a way, it was a huge catalyst and started off you know, a, complete, a complete rebirth for you almost. Yeah, yeah, without question. Like I, I I'd had a pretty couple, a rough couple of years because obviously, like I, I'd had my accident and things sure. were like fairly stagnant and then um and then my my little sister passed away and I and she was 16 and it was all very unexpected and all pretty horrific and I sort of took stock a lot of my life at that point and thought like this is a kid who would go out and do whatever she wanted and was making like you know had all of these grand plans and and was really struggling to nail down what she wanted to be doing because she had so many incredible options and none of them seemed all that feasible because when you're a teenager and you've got big ideas they all seem kind of crazy and then I thought well actually they didn't have to be crazy like she could have made them work and I can do these things too and I can make this work so yeah like while I wouldn't wish any of that sort of like revelation of of like horrific experience on anyone else right it, it changed my life in such a like such a major way and gave me this sort of you know the motivation to at least try something new because realistically like life is incredibly short <laughs> and you might as well be enjoying it while you can you know <laughs> Look, I've got nothing but nothing but admiration for the way you've kind of uh dealt with every everything and and Know, sifted through it all and, and got something good out of it. Now, <coughs> can you just tell us a little bit about? Um, have, you got, have you got two businesses or one business? Because you've got a partner. Oh, sorry. I, yeah, it's complicated. I have two businesses. So um, I, I I sort of co-run and operate the um, beauty school dropouts, and we have uh, we do vintage style hair and makeup, and workshops, and photo shoots, and all kinds of things all over the country. Um, and we've got a team of sort of six or seven that um, that work with me to um, yeah to bring vintage styling to the masses. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, as Fran Robertson, decorator of people and things, I do all kinds of nonsense. So it's um, I do I do a lot of like creating. I do um, like flowers, flower crowns, and all that kind of thing. I do a lot of um, interior staging and set design because that was my sort of that was where I sort of kick-started in theatre with set design okay. and costume. I didn't realise you did that kind of stuff yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, that sort of um, – I don't tend to market it that well because I've got, like, a fairly solid customer base, so <laughs> I don't want to make any more work for myself. But, um, yeah, that's where I – that's sort of what I do, like, during the week, essentially, and um, a lot of wardrobe styling, so – customers like either for events or for theater and things or alternatively for private clients who just want like a wardrobe overhaul and want someone to come in and like you know pull all their stuff out of their wardrobe and, and figure out what you know what combos to put together or what they need to rebuild or if they want to you know if they're starting a new job and need to sort of cultivate a new 
yeah, like a new look for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what I do as well. So you're helping other people rebirth. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 So, because, you know, they're, they're, like, there are so many people who have in their head that they, you know, they don't, you know, they need to be brave or like, oh, I'm not brave enough to dress like this or I'm not, you know, like I need to change my wardrobe, but uh, but I, I'm not really sure where to start. So it's like, well, I'm someone who's perfectly confident telling people like, you know, hey, just tear it all down and build it up from scratch, you know, <laughs> like figure out, figure out what you want to be doing. And even if it means just easing your way into it, like I think. Because, you know, because I'm so like I'm, I'm super comfortable with the way that I look and the way that I dress, people sort of feel a little bit at ease with that because I'm not going to make them, you know, I'm not going to force them into anything. But I'm yeah. also not going to let them just be comfortable. You know, they have to push their boundaries a little bit. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's 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 that's, that's really cool. Um, OK, I've got a, a question here from from Hetty. Um, she said, ask Fran why New Zealand only has four people and a cow in it. But we keep turning out world class pinups. I mean, per, per head of capita, it's like, I mean, you, you can't go to Pack and Save without bumping into someone that's won pinup of the year yeah. or something. You know? It's it's utterly incredible. What why is that? What is it about the New Zealand vintage scene and 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 the New Zealand kind of sense of style that keeps producing all these great pinups? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the, the classic Kiwi-like attitude. We're fairly, um, as, as a people, we're fairly innovative, but we're also not too, you know, everything's fairly relaxed and fairly chill about everything. So so that attitude, like, lends itself well to these sorts of competitions and, and the way that our community operates. But on the other side of that also is that because we're so far away, and, like, you even see this within New Zealand, um, in certain ways, but like because we're so far away from the rest of the like the rest of the vintage community around the world, people have this idea that like oh well, this must be what they're doing, so we need to do that too and kind of go bigger and bolder because they don't want to be left behind. And in in actuality, what we're doing is just pushing the boundaries way more than anyone else's because oh, gotcha. we're not really sure we're not really sure what everyone else is up to, so we're doing our own thing and doing it great. <laughs> I mean, it's it it is it is really really uh, remarkable the, the amount of uh, success that the pinup scene has had. So, uh, in the next um, I don't know, next couple of years, where, where do you think the scene's going to go? Well, everyone, like I think what we're seeing now across you know across the board, not just specifically within our community, is that um, with with the way that people interact with social media, people are seeing so many more different styles and, and different mm -hmm. ways of self-expression. Yeah. So like more people are feeling so much more confident to, you know, wear what they like and be who they want. So, you know, our scene is continually growing and people are being much more inventive and people are not feeling like they have to be changed to a very specific look anymore. Yeah, we, um, we, I, I saw a, uh, there's a lovely lady in, in Christchurch on next year's um, that's kind of like a goth pinup. And yeah. it's just a fantastic thing. The whole thing is black and kind of she's like the most elegant Adams family extra ever. You know, it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, that's, and that's the coolest thing ever is, you know, people are starting to think like just and don't feel like they have to be defined by a certain label anymore. And um, so, you know, you've got obviously you've got people who are mixing and blending and, and creating their own looks, which is really, really cool. And obviously, you know, the community can only benefit from that because every community will always benefit 
from you know a broader range of expression For so sure. i'm just yeah my I'm, my hope is that everyone just continues to just keep killing it and not not feel tied to what they think you know pinup means or what they think you know rockabilly means and and more just going with what they feel works for them and hopefully that will just continue to expand and develop and you know adds to the personality and and vibe of the whole thing is is there a um a kind of a clear divide between the uh, the people that favor the actual vintage clothes i mean hetty is is well known for basically spending her entire life tracking down things from the, the you know the 30s 40s and 50s and, and you know and some people much prefer to be able to go shopping to one you know there's so many fantastic um repro places in new zealand and online and getting the, the kind of the funky stuff with the car prints and the cherries and all. Is, is that two sides of the same coin do the two things mix or is there a like a purist vintage thing and then a modern repro thing or am I just making something out of nothing <laughs> no uh, there are definitely people who are exclusively one way or the other and that's fine as long as they don't feel like it's necessary to slam other people's choices gotcha. because, you know at the end of the day like it doesn't matter like I, I don't I don't dress this way because I want to look like I'm from the 50s I love, I like, I favor these silhouettes and I love, like, I collect vintage bags and jewelry. But, like, personally, I, I don't dress this way because I want to look authentic. I dress this way because these are shapes that I like and I am colorful and ridiculous and over the top. And, and these are, these are just shapes that I wear, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, like, absolutely. I'm going to put clothes that I like, not just clothes that I can find because they are from the fifties or whatever. So, so I will, I'll never, I'll never completely understand the, the people who get angry one way or the other. No, no, sure. It. I mean, I, 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 you kind of read between the lines there. Just occasionally we've, you know, we've, we've come across people that seem to be huge purists, especially with the vintage stuff and kind of poo poo yeah. the other things. And surely if, I mean, from what you've just, you know, you basically just educated me, and it sounds like it's about a personal aesthetic, um, personal expression, acceptance, and diversity, which are all great things. So yeah, it should, it yeah. I mean, honestly, difference. as long as people are happy with what they're wearing, it shouldn't matter to anyone else, you yeah, know. <laughs> absolutely. Now, are you guys at? Um, I'm just looking at the. the I mean, I'm not sure when this is going to uh, be broadcast because. Uh, We've got a lot of work. Poor Hetty's got lots of editing work before these go out. But um, are you guys going to be at um, Very Vintage Day out this year? Absolutely. We have um, we have our store doing our regular like mini makeovers and things. So we'll, yeah, we have a full team on the store, and also um, I'm teaching some classes. So twice a day on both of the days, there'll be um, hair and makeup workshops that you can come along to, and. Um, yeah, listen to me rant and rave about all the things I've learnt in the last like ten years of styling Fantastic. and working with hairdressers. So yeah, hopefully, I can help we're people be, figure um, stuff out. We're going to be there um, doing the roving reporter thing and and just talking to people. We're going to try and do a, a VVDO special. Um, so nice. we'll, we'll definitely come over and say hi. Um, we're yeah, play- no, absolutely. We're playing three times as well, so we will have to try and fit some of our actual <laughs> job in. <laughs> But, uh, so we'll, we'll see you there. Look, thank you so much for taking the time out um, and, and talking to us. Really, really appreciate it. It was lovely speaking to you. You too, absolutely. And I will see you around. <laughs> see you later. Thanks, Fred. Bye bye. Bye. So the uh, 
There's a trivia quiz answer. I know most of you will have got this. So the saint, um, also known as private detective and playboy Simon Templer, was played by Roger Moore. Uh, he sadly died last May, aged 89. Um, That's a pretty good innings, though. Yeah. I'd be happy with that. And he was still a good-looking man. That's right. Yeah. Um, do you know he had his own uh, his own clothing brand? Oh. When he, I think it was in a, a, a show called The Persuaders with Tony Curtis, and he was like Lord... Brett Sinclair or something like that and uh, Tony Curtis was like a playboy that for some reason always wore leather driving gloves which was a bit weird in some scenes but but um, Roger Moore basically agreed to do that show as long as he could wear only clothes from his clothing range and in the credits <laughs> you see clothing by and then this huge signature Roger Moore which takes up the whole scene now bearing in mind this was the 70s so they were like powder blue safari suits with half belts and and paisley cravats it's absolutely fantastic watching them do action scenes and fights dressed like that oh brilliant it's it's just wonderful um so he played bond he did six movies altogether um and james bond done by roger moore was kind of a bit more quirky and a bit a bit funnier than than the kind of the 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 hard man kind of uh smoldering uh sean connery Connery one yeah obviously he didn't wear a wig like sean connery but uh um but yeah so yeah fantastic hair just marvel marvel at roger moore's hair sometimes if if you want to look at the, the, the 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 best bouffant hairstyling if you go to the early black and white saints and look at his hair it's it you could almost surf it it's fan, <laughs> it, it's fan, it's fantastic um interesting fact about roger moore he started off his first job was in an animation studio back in the days when they used to hand wow. paint yeah hand Didn't paint the cells yeah and um by all accounts he was doing quite well and then he made a massive mistake on something um which I, I'm, I'm reading between the lines. I don't think he owned up to, and it was found by the studio manager later on, and he was fired on the spot. Mm. So he kind of drifted around a bit and did a bit of extra work, and then purely by luck, his dad George was a policeman, <laughs> and his his dad was sent to investigate a robbery at film director Brian Desmond Hurst's house. Now he was a fairly well known director at the time and had done a few big kind of. Um, Roman and Greek and you know uh, period piece extravaganzas and somehow he managed to introduce Roger to Hearst and he got his first job as an extra in the 1945 movie Caesar and uh, Cleopatra which starred Vivian Lee and Claude Rains. Wow that was fate wasn't it? Although I think even if he didn't have that break I mean, just look at him. He, oh, yeah. he was just destined to be a star, wasn't he? Oh, for he? sure. I mean, he, by all accounts, he was a very good actor and he's a, a, you know, a, a classic kind of uh, male model. He doesn't get more, he doesn't get more suave no. than Roger Moore. Suave, that's it, exactly. Yeah. And he's the master of eyebrow acting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, just one eyebrow moves and that's it. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Retrogasmic. 
So thank you very much for listening to the show. We really appreciate your support. Uh, share it with all your friends, all that kind of stuff. Give us a bit of love. It will be hard to get this off the ground, so we, we appreciate uh, all of you getting involved. If you want to be involved directly with the show, contact us via Facebook or at the website retrogasmic.com. We've got some fantastic guests coming up in future shows. Um, Tony Daunt, Dirty Murder, uh, Daniel O'Davis, who was the uh, organiser of this year's Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, and Glenn Matlock, the bass player with the Sex Pistols. So once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya. Retrogasmic. Retrogasmic.